Welcome to GovIT, a monthly podcast series from DLT, where we discuss the next generation of public sector IT solutions with the technology innovators driving the change. I'm your host, Tom Tamman. Each month, we explore a different technology, what it is, and how it can help public sector organizations achieve their modernization goals and accomplish their missions. This episode, we speak with Trey Vance, the North American cloud leader at Red Hat, to discuss Red Hat's open shift on AWS. Trey, nice to have you join us. Yeah, great to be here. Thank you. And let's talk about cloud, cloud adoption as we head into 2022, a new year. What are the motivating factors driving organizations to go further with cloud adoption, would you say? Well, Tom, there are a couple. The biggest one, the, the driver for most organizations is cost optimization. And so that is moving from the expenses in the traditional data center moving into the elasticity of the cloud. It's kind of like a gym membership, right? Like the gym has all the equipment. So in this case, the cloud has all of the equipment. So I have the free weights or I have the compute. I have the storage. I've got ML tools. I've got a variety of things and I get them all capacity on demand pay as you go versus what I've been doing in the data center, which is a fixed cost. So sometimes I build just right and then I get a new business initiative and that new business initiative constrains the stuff that I have or I built too much and then I don't ever use it. Uh, So the cloud allows for that elasticity, the ability for us to go in there, build to the demands of the moment, anticipate the demands of the future, and then be able to adapt as needed. And you can try things without spinning up a physical server, in other words, too. And so you don't have to invest in infrastructure that may be temporary. Yeah, that's right. I mean, I think about 10 years ago or or more, you had to buy the firewall, you had to get the facility, you had to buy the servers, and then you tested your theory. In the cloud, for pennies on the dollar, I can test my theories and I can try different ways of, of working very rapidly. And quite a number of organizations are also changing the way they deploy applications. That is to say, they are turning to containerizing them with a management framework around that, as opposed to just simply loading them in full runtime software as a blob, so to speak, into the cloud. So maybe discuss containerization, how that affects, if it does, legacy applications, and how it affects, say, what you begin fresh, new developments that would be in the cloud. Sure. Yeah. And there's a lot there. But what I'll say is that uh, containerization is a way to specifically have in a container or a set of containers the exact tools that I need for the job. So I can get to this microservice architecture. I can get to uh, being able to use those microservices in a coordinated way uh, with containers. And then that kind of brings up uh, the idea of container management and building out uh, applications. So there is a difference between building a net new application based on containers or bringing a legacy application into a container world. So when I'm using uh, you know, the, the Red Hat tools, I'm using OpenShift, which is our container platform uh, for applications and, and operations. When I'm using that, I'm able to get logging, I'm able to get visibility into the security of the environment, I'm able to get the pipelines to build new applications and bring a lot of different uh, services together. I'm able to do that very rapidly in a cloud native manner. And then I'm able to also see what the legacy applications are going to look like. I'm able to model those things out very quickly. 
and then make some determinations as to what mix of uh, software and tools that I want to use. And containers can really add up in an organization, so you need some kind of a framework to orchestrate and automate some of this process to manage it all. Tell us about the tools and solutions that make a certified catalog of popular open source projects that are coming from Red Hat. Yeah, and that's right in Red Hat's wheelhouse. Red Hat has been working with the open source community since before it was even called the open source community. But we've worked with these communities that have specific tools and processes and we've helped to nurture those communities and provide dependable support. So instead of doing it yourself and having to figure it out, we actually test a lot of these tools and these, these containers and, and processes for scale, uh, for things like security. Uh, very recently, we released a Log4j scanner, so something very timely that allows organizations to understand if they're affected by uh, vulnerabilities in some of their code. And then we have what we call an upstream first development lifecycle, which means that the learnings that we take from what we do, we contribute those back to the community first. That allows the community to become better, to iterate on the software faster, and ultimately produce a product that is uh, something that can be widely used with confidence. And if you use a open source products like that, can you achieve as an agency cloud agnosticism? That is to say, you're not stuck with a single cloud vendor. So what we would say to that is that by using open source and leveraging the, both the power of the community and then the shaping that occurs uh, with Red Hat and our, our kind of guidance in that, that space, we provide the visibility that organizations need to adhere to things like the NIST 853 controls to get things like ATOs. And they can do that uh, with us uh, across a number of cloud providers. And they do that in a very transparent way. So they can do it on you know, AWS, they can do it on Azure uh, and, and Google and others. So they can do that in the cloud of their choice uh, with tooling that is open. And can the elements in a package that would lead to the ATO, because that's a really big concern for agencies, can they also be containerized and in some sense help you automate the authority to operate process? Absolutely. There are some tools that we include with OpenShift, which is our flagship enterprise uh, container platform uh, that allow for that kind of visibility. So you can have tools that are directive where those tools will create the policies that conform to the NIST 853. And then we have other tools that are audit tools that will allow you to, to see that in action. So both the tools that can direct and the tools that can investigate. And from an organizational standpoint, who should be in charge of cloud transformations? Does this start with the people that own the infrastructure, the CIO, the development teams? I mean, who's in charge here? It's definitely a team effort. I would say this, that every organization is a little different and every organization comes at the cloud from a different perspective. If you're working with cost optimization, it may be driven from an operational team, from the infrastructure team. If you wanna create new capabilities, like you're leveraging machine learning, you're leveraging new database services, you're leveraging tools that are, are widely available in the cloud, it may be application driven. The important thing is that there is some governance that occurs that although the cloud is elastic, it's not infinite. So that means that you're going to need to understand how your environment scales, what the, the security frameworks that you're trying to operate and achieve are, 
and how those teams might work together. And are they sending information in a machine-driven automated fashion? Or is this, are you bringing paper processes into the cloud? Governance has to be figured out in order to make a successful transformation to the cloud. And the good news is there there's some actual uh, gov guidance on this now. So the GSA has stood up the Cloud Center of Excellence, and they have a set of uh, best practices. And we have our best practices as well in, in our innovation labs, things that we've seen from our customers over the last 25 years that can be applied. And we can kind of coordinate that with the practices that are coming out of GSA as well. And just to get back to the security question, you mentioned a few minutes ago the Log4j and that you have a scanner for that. In general, when going to a containerized cloud environment, which means you are scattered geographically in many locations and also logically, what are the best practices for ensuring continued cybersecurity in that environment? So you have to operate in layers, right? There's security that is very costly when it's bolted on at the end, but there's security that becomes more and more effective as you both add layers and you start earlier. So this idea of shifting security to the left, beginning with the, the code that's being checked in, oftentimes there are libraries that might have vulnerabilities that need to be mitigated. And if you build a solution with libraries that need to be mitigated, then you have a bigger attack surface by the time you have the finished product. So just the the idea of layering and what your components are and that whole software factory, being able to do static code analysis, dynamic code analysis, to be able to do mitigations even at check-in for your source code, like that can be a tremendous difference. And it becomes cheaper to secure when you do it in those layers. Well, you've given us a lot to think about. Trey Vance is the North American cloud leader at Red Hat. Thanks so much for being with us. Thank you, Tom. For more on OpenShift and Rosa, please visit DLT.com. You've been listening to GovIT from DLT. We'll be back soon with more public sector IT content. I'm Tom Temin.